Welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. We are wrapping up this series called My Story. And each week uh, we've been looking at how to live a story uh, worth telling. How, how can we make decisions in our life that actually put us in a place where we can tell our story and, and look with the sense of God, God has actually used us. And we've been looking at uh, this story in, in chapters, major sections that kind of summarize these key decisions that we make. And I just briefly want to summarize uh, where we've been. We, we kicked off the series talking about, you know, my story, I decided to, to start. And we talked on Easter about the importance of starting a relationship with Jesus, because as you start that relationship with Jesus, you can actually live a different story. You, you can have the power to change. Uh, the, the second week we talked about, I decided to stop how sometimes to start living a new story means that you have to stop uh, doing the things that you've always done. And we talked about how God helps us to do that. Last week we talked about staying, how there's key parts in our life where we need to decide to stay when it's hard, uh, when there's pressure, when there's stress, when there's anxiety, because God is actually doing something in us. He's giving us an endurance. He's growing our faith when we stay under the pressure. And so we've been looking at this starting, stopping, staying, and today, going. So today we're going to talk about this idea of I decided to go. And here's kind of the, the main kind of statement related to that. Sometimes the best decision you can make and I can make is to decide to go when it would be easier uh, to stay. And the idea of, of going isn't just connected to maybe a geographic location. We're not necessarily meaning it means that you need to leave where you are. It means that you need to, at certain times in life, make decisions that force you and cause you to get out of your, your comfort zone. The things in your life that you've just seen always the same way. Uh, maybe it's just your, your own plan. Maybe, maybe it's your own goals. There's key parts in our life when the best decision we can make is actually to go and to move forward out of those comfort zones to actually do what, what God uh, tells us to do. And here at Church in the Valley, uh, really, we, we want to line up with, with God first and his word, and we want him to guide us. And so in this series, we're looking at not just this story that, that we want to tell, but the story that God wants to tell through us. And that, that's a key difference because it's not just about asking God to put the stamp of approval on our plans, but really what is God's plan for my life and how in the decisions I make, how can I align uh, with that? And there's the key statement that our, our friend, our elderly friend made at the, the end there. And she's this person that's lived a lot of life and she's been reflecting each week in these different chapters. And she, she said this at the end, it says some, or not that part. If you go, unfortunately, some people leave portions of their story unwritten unwilling to tell the unwilling to take the risks that come. And I think that is a a key thought that there's certain parts of our story that God may want to tell, but it may not actually be written because we're fearful. We're unwilling to take risks. So if you could, just as a way to kind of get this, this idea of risk into to our life, I, I just want to ask a survey of questions. You can just, you know, raise your hand. You can yell it out, whatever you prefer. Even like speaking publicly is one of these things that you're, you're freaking out right now. Okay. But here's, here's a kind of some ideas to get like, how risky are you? Okay. H how many of you would eat a food that you've never tried? 
Any of you? Like, how many of you? Okay, there's, wow, that's, that's great. Like, yes, I, I will eat a food that I've, I've never tried. A few years ago, I tried a food that I've never tried. I took a risk and I tried durian. <laughs> just wait, just hold your applause. Um, I, I've never tried durian. I was with some friends and the guy's like, Hey, Alex, have you ever tried durian? And I was like, no, but I'll try anything. And I will never say that in the same way because durian, if you've never had it, is like a fruit, but not the fruit that I have ever known. It's like you take a sock. And if you like durian, I'm going to totally offend you right now, but like just have some grace. Okay. So durian to me is like a wet sock that's been worn that goes on a wet dog that wears it as well. And then you wring it out on a piece of fruit and it's durian. Is that, that's kind of mean, right? That's brutal for you, you durian lovers. But in September, I, I was in Thailand coming home and on the flight, there are signs that say, if you have durian, let a flight attendant know there's a special section for you on the plane because it stinks so bad. Okay. And so durian. How many of you are willing to try that now after my description? So you're risk, you know, probably you still are. Okay. Some of you still have it, but, but we're risky when it comes to food. Now, another thing related to food, how many of you, if you don't see an A on the health code would still try it? Well, there's, wow, you guys are so, so brave. It's so, you know, now how many of you, let's be honest. How many of you, if, if it was a B, you, you would not go in there. If you're just being honest, if it's a B or lower, okay, there's. C. What about a C? How many of you, if there was a C, okay. D D is for delicious. Come on. Where are you? Where are you? So, you know, you see the sign and there's some of you, like if it's a B, it actually goes up. You're like, it's legit. And then you think of your own kitchen. Like, what would your kitchen be rated? Like your own, you don't have to answer that, but, but that, you know, we're, we're, we're risky. Here's another one. How many of you would go to a vacation, to a place that you've never been and you never know anyone that's been there and you can't read Yelp reviews about it. How many of you would do that? You spend money on it. Like, yeah, I'm, wow, we have, all right, I'm going to up the ante. How many of you, no, I just, I just kidding. But, but it seems like we're, we're a group just from the hands that, you know, we, we like to take risks and, you know, in, in food and vacation and starting a business. Oh, there's all sorts of scenarios that, that we could go over. And some of us are more willing to take risks. Other of us, depending on if it just impacts me, I'm, I'm willing. If it impacts my family, I'm not as willing. And there's all sorts of these spectrum where we fall. What you find is, is that the idea of going in your relationship with Jesus is the, the sense of that there is times where you have to risk to, to follow him. In, in fact, the very core of Christianity is one of, of risk. You are risking to follow Jesus, somebody you have never seen. That takes great faith. Christianity is rooted in faith and faith is actually risk because you can't concretely see everything that, that God tells you to do. You, you can't see and know on the front end how everything will work out. So the very nature of following Christ is actually rooted in risk. There, there's no way around it. But it's, it's not this blind, stupid risk. It, it, it actually is something that you can know Jesus and you can walk with him. And over time, you see that he comes through. So you're, you're willing to take these risks because of who God is. And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about. How do you get outside 
of your own plans, your own picture, your own agenda, your own goals, to do and to risk what God may be calling you to do. And the the theme that, that we've been looking at is the idea of this happens in decisions. And the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow. We're not talking about ideas. It's, it's actually decisions. So there's decisions that we need to make to take risk that's going to determine the kind of life that, that we live. Now, it's not just blindly uncalculated. Like, we need to measure. We need to know what we're stepping into. But at the end of the day, there's a sense in which are we willing to do whatever God asks of us? And if we are willing to do that or not willing to do that, that's going to impact our life story. And then we've been looking at a theme verse as well, Hebrews 12, 2. And you'll see it up here on the screen. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And, and faith is this trusting in God that if I, I follow him, he actually will lead me to the life that he's promised. He, he is trustworthy. And even though I can't, can't see it, I, I can trust him. And this, this theme versus this idea of you, you keep your eyes on Jesus and he is the one that gives you a new story that you can tell. He is the one that allows you to live a life and a story worth telling. And so I kind of want to move that even, even forward to this idea of, of following Jesus. If you keep your eyes focused on him, what, what does it mean to follow him? What, what you find in the scripture again and again is that Jesus always leads his followers to go forward in faith. You find this again and again and again in the scriptures. Jesus always leads his followers to go forward in faith. Risk in faith. Obey in faith. Do what he's asked us to do. Now, the reason I say that is I think sometimes in our culture, especially here in the Western, in the West, that Christianity is, is somewhat like this idea of maybe you join like this social group. Like, yeah, I'm a part of a church now and we have a vague sense of what that means. And sometimes we think Christianity is like what you're doing right now. It's sitting in a chair, listening to somebody talk to you. That's actually not what Christianity is at the root. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ in which he leads us forward. And we're always having to trust. Am I willing to go where he leads us? And that's actually whether you know, that's when you know you're ready to be a Christian is that you're willing to do what Jesus says. And if he's the pinpoint area in your life that he wants to change, you're willing to change that with his help. If you're not willing, you're not ready to be a Christian. But in our minds, sometimes it's the idea of it's, it's something about social or, or it's just like it, you get blessed or you, you, you can feel good. Now, you actually can be a part of a community. That's, that's a big part of Christianity. You be a part of the community, but it's not just social. And you actually can get blessing, but it's not just about feeling good. Christianity at its core, following Jesus, is this idea of we are going to advance his kingdom on this earth and his purposes and his ways are going to become mine. And I'm going to choose faith and knowing that if I put him and his kingdom first, he will take care of me. And that's, that's what faith is. It's a risk. If I put Jesus and his kingdom first, he will take care of me. And that's what the call to Christianity is. Jesus said, come and follow me. And then it was followed by the say, you take up your cross 
you know, the cross signified death and you, you die to your own agenda and your goals knowing that Jesus will take care of you. That's at the core of, of Christianity. So advancing his kingdom is taking the light into the darkness. It's idea of taking his love where there is hate. And when people are doing wrong, it's, it's doing the right thing. That's at the core. That's where the risk comes out. The call to actually follow him. And so Jesus was continually trying to get the people that listened to him to understand that. So he talked a lot about his kingdom. And it was different than when we thought. It was one of, of sacrifice and love. And he wanted his disciples to see how the risk that they were taking is going to actually pull them out of the things that make them comfortable. And he did that again and again. And I'm going to share a story from Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus' popularity and his momentum is growing. And people are starting to hear about this Jesus and the fact that he can heal people from disease and that he can provide freedom to those under spiritual attack and possessed by demons and he's speaking with authority and so people were following him to listen to his instruction they were following him to get healed or freed by spiritual attack and they some were just wanting to be around so they could see this person that everyone talked about and so crowds were following him everywhere and in matthew 14 crowds were following him and he just wanted to kind of pull away with the disciples to have some space to recharge. And people just kept following him and following him. The disciples were, let's, let's escape. Let's get away from these people. And, and the scriptures say that Jesus had compassion on them and he healed them. People that had traveled. And that, that was at the heart. He, he extended himself and sacrificed himself for others. And the people were hungry and they're gathering and this is the story of him feeding the 5,000 in Matthew 14. You can read more of this story. I don't want to spend a ton of time, but the story is there's at least 5,000 men. That's not including women and children and their hunger. And the disciples are saying, okay, we know that there's a great crowd here, but send them to their villages to just get their food. We, we don't have the resources to feed them. And Jesus, again, his heart of compassion, he had the sense of, well, we, we can take care of them. And how, how much food do we have? And they had five loaves of bread and two fish. And I could imagine his disciples like, okay, we followed you. We've seen all this miraculous that you've done, but you're wanting us to feed thousands of people with this food. And the picture is, you know, he gave the disciples the food to, to spread out. It was probably maybe 12 disciples, 12 baskets and could you imagine the disciples just walking kind of if i was them and if i'm being honest sometimes you have to read into the story it's the sense of you're walking with this food and there's thousands and thousands of people and you have five loaves and two fish and it seems a little embarrassing like your disciple you're just like don't make eye contact with all these people and you're as a disciples i don't know how they coordinate this but it's like hey go half a mile and you're you start at that tree and you feed the people there and, you, and the disciples are like Dude, we're going to feed like 12 people and there's thousands. And the story goes, they passed the food and, and everyone ate and was satisfied. And then there was food left over that was found in the 12 baskets. What? And you can imagine the disciples were like, this is crazy. Like it's this limited amount, but people just keep having their full and it doesn't run out. Jesus provided and so they had witnessed his power. And so Jesus decides, okay, now, now the people have eaten. People have, have 
found the help that they were looking for. Let, let's get away. And so he, he sent the disciples on, on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. And he removed himself from the disciples to go up to a mountainside and, and pray. And in Matthew 14, uh, 23, this is where the story picks up. It says, after he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And this is a pattern of Jesus. He always took time away from the followers of Christ, the disciples, away from the crowds. And he got alone and spent time with God, his father. So he set this example of you're, you're leading forward in faith. You're, you're taking risks and you're walking in faith. But at the same time, you're always having to recharge. And that, and that's what Jesus was doing. And so the disciples were on this boat. And what happened is, is this storm began, began to, to brew. And then Matthew 14, 25, uh, actually, sorry, 23. 24, sorry, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted. Now, I don't use buffeted. I go to buffets, but I don't use buffeted a lot. It's, it's this idea of it's beaten, beaten by the waves because the wind was against it. And so Jesus was by himself praying. The disciples were all in this boat and beaten by the waves. There's a, they're in this gnarly storm. And Jesus is, is not there. And in verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Sometimes when you read that, you're like, oh, he went out to them walking on. Huh? You kind of double and you're like, oh, yeah, this is the same Jesus who just fed thousands of people. So this is what he's saying. This is my authority. This is my power. I can do this. What's interesting about during the what watch? The fourth. There was four watches in the night in this like sense of the first century, how they, they told time. The first watch was nine to midnight. Second watch, or sorry, the first watch was six to nine. First watch of the night, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Second watch, nine to 12. Third watch, 12 to three. Fourth watch, three to six. And so somewhere between three and 6 a.m., Jesus goes and meets them. So between six to nine hours, the disciples had been on this boat in the middle of a storm without Jesus. And you can imagine, no matter how risky we are, that there's a, a sense in which it's like, call the Coast Guard, and then there is none. You know, there was no Coast Guard. They are freaking like, after all that we've seen, we're going to die, and Jesus isn't even going to know. He's not here. And then Jesus, he goes at the right time to, to meet them. And then in 26, it says this, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, again, sometimes you read that, but let's face it. You're in this storm. You're not sleeping. They're delirious. They're tired. They're freaking out. And all of a sudden, you, you see this like figure walking on the water. It's a ghost. And, you know, these are grown, strong men. And they are freaking out. Rightfully so. I would too. It's a ghost. And and at this point, they they think all hope is lost. And then 27 says this. But Jesus immediately, I I really like Jesus was gracious. Okay, I've, I've let them be alone long enough. Immediately. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, calm, calm down. Like, don't throw yourself overboard. 
you've hung up, you know, hung on for six hours. Immediately, Jesus said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And so this is a great picture of this ultimate, just being overwhelmed, freaking out of this unknown. And notice it happened right after they had seen Jesus provide and take care of. But it doesn't doesn't matter. There's a sense in which all of us, in an instant, in a moment, no matter what we've seen God do and come through in our lives and the lives of others, fear can just take us down in, in, in any moment. This is what happened with them. They'd seen the pinnacle of God's provision and God's power. They'd been seeing it again and again and again. But alone in the boat, he wasn't there. Their f- faith was now being questioned like, he's gone. We're alone. This is the end. But at the right time, Jesus came and he says, I'm here. Take courage. In my own life, I've faced many times of fear. And I believe you have too. I think we all face fear. And there's something about fear which paralyzes us. It overwhelms us. It causes us to run scenarios. It causes us to look into the future and look to the past. And we can't make decisions because that's not where we are. We're here in the present. But in the moment, we just we just get this place where we can't move forward. And Jesus' statement there is, is one of assurance. In fact, it kind of mirrors something that's found in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. This is God speaking. He says, Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the middle of this storm that they were facing, Jesus reminded it is I. Take, take courage. I will take care of you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And there, there's been many times in my life when I've taken a step of faith and it's at that moment that I think this is, it's not going to work out. It's all going to unravel. It's going to fall apart. I'm going to be left by myself and this is the voice of God. I'm with you. Take courage. And so the, the story continues in, in verse 28. And this is where I just, I appreciate Peter. And of the risk scale, I think Peter is willing to do a lots of things. And this is what he says. It says, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I love the fact that Jesus is like, it is I, take courage. And, and Peter's like saying, if you aren't the ghost that I thought you were, and he has a proposal for him, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I don't know what Peter thought would happen, but this is what happened. Come, he said, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked. What did he do? On the water and came toward Jesus. So I don't know if when Peter asked, he's like, if that's you, Jesus, let me swim to you. Or if Peter thought, man, he walked. If he tells me to come, I wonder if I would walk. Like, I don't know. Did he think that? I'm not sure. But it took a lot of guts. Peter was willing to get out of the boat and say, that's you. Tell me to come and I will come. And so Peter, it goes further. I think it's uh, verse 28 here. Or sorry, 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. So he, he walks out on the water. And then when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So again, 
put it this in the context. All the, the disciples are on the boat. There's a part of this too where Peter had the most guts. And could you imagine the rest of the guys just on the boat like, oh man, why didn't I think of that? As Peter is walking on the water like, are you kidding me? I just missed the opportunity. To, you guys ever think about that? I mean, I think about that. Like Peter's like, I will come. And he starts walking on the water and I could just see the boat like, oh man. And maybe they're like, he's not going to last. How long you got? I got five seconds. How long? 20, 20. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. But sometimes I think about this stuff. So Jesus is walking. I mean, Peter's walking on water towards Jesus. And then he saw the wind. Now it's interesting. He saw the wind. It's like the sense of the storm is still there. It's still going on. And so he was fixing his eyes on Jesus. Come tell me to come to you. And, and I will. And he says, come. And so he's, he's looking at Jesus. And all of a sudden, what did Peter do? He took his eyes off. And what did he start to look at? The storm. The wind blowing in his face. The rain that I'm sure is sideways just beating his body. And he began to think like, whoa, I'm walking on water. But there is this gnarly storm. And he began to sing. And at that moment, Jesus saved me. Like this man of great courage in that instance took his eyes off of Jesus and then was left himself. And fear caused him to sink. And then it goes forward immediately. Again, Jesus had grace. Now, Jesus didn't mess with him like, how long can he swim? You know. He had compassion again. He had compassion. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. But he also rebuked him, challenged him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? What a powerful question. Why did you doubt? And then it goes on. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So it's only in the moment that Jesus got into the boat with Peter that the storm stopped. So somewhere in the nine-hour framework, they'd experienced a storm. And at the moment Jesus got in the boat, it, it stopped. But I want to go back to that, that question that Jesus asked Peter, because I believe it's the question that, that this story is, is about. It's the question of why did you doubt? What was he doubting? He was doubting that Jesus had said to come. He was doubting that Jesus was there. He was doubting that, that Jesus would take care of him in that moment. And that is the thing that fear does. It kills faith. Our fears kill our faith because what Jesus tells us, we look around and, and the storm that he was literally in, the physical storm, is really the circumstances that we all face. Where we look around us and we start calculating how it's not going to work out. But this is, this is the pattern of following Jesus. There are times where he's calling you to go forward in the middle of storms in the middle of circumstances that are difficult, sometimes in the middle of things that you don't want to even do because you're comfortable. And this idea of, of comfort, 
I think, is something for all of us that we have to wrestle with. Our, our comfort zone, it, it's this plan that we have. All of us, we have a plan for how we think our life should go. And as long as it follows the plan, we're, we're comfortable. We have our comfort in our own thinking. We have comfort in our goals. We have comfort in just doing the things that we've always done. And Jesus, he puts his finger on those and he says, like, you, for you to, to follow me, you have to be willing to get out of the boat and not focus on your circumstances, but fix your eyes on me. And in my own life, there's been times where, where this has happened and, it, and it's, it's shaped, again, it's shaped my story. Uh, when I was in college, my senior year, I had had my plan like mapped out. I was in school studying to kind of become a pastor and I was going to finish college and then I was going to go to seminary and then I was going to get a job at a church. And then my senior year, I realized that I, I had education, but I did not have training. Meaning I had like knowledge, book knowledge, but I didn't have practical life skills. Like I didn't really know how to lead people. And like, that was great when you figure that out as a freshman, but I was a senior and I began to see like my plan, like, you know what? My plan was the education route, just get more degrees and somehow that will make me be successful. So my senior year, I started realizing that, you know, my success isn't tied to my knowledge or my education that can help, but I actually need to learn how to be a leader. I need to learn how to be a husband. I was engaged at the time. I need to learn how to be a dad. I was hoping to have kids and start a family. And I realized like, I can't learn that by sitting in a classroom. I need training. I need people who can actually ask me difficult questions and see my life and people I can go to and get counsel. I, that's what I needed. And so one of my faith moves was I had to just stop this plan that I had and I had to go a different route. And that was to build, you know, my life around church in the Valley. I got connected to church in the Valley when I was in college and I was a part of this community. And I just thought, well, this is great. I'm part of this community now. And then I'm going to just go do my plan. And then it got to the point where God said, how are you going to know how to lead people? And I realized I, I had no idea. But all around me, I saw people who loved God. I saw people who led people in a way that pleased God. And that's what I wanted. And so my senior year, I, I shifted gears and I decided I need to build my life around the church community and not around potential job, not around a school. We all build our life around something, all of us. And when that's the center, you, you just decide what to do. And for me, it was like, I need to make this community where I can get training the center and build my life. I can find a graduate school that helps me to do that. I can find a job that can help me to do that. And that changed my story. But that was the faith step God asked me to take. And that was 17 years ago. And my life is different. Fast forward kind of early 20s. I'm in a secular job. I was in pharmaceutical sales. And I realized that there's a big part of the Christian faith, which is learning to share your faith with others. That's part of the faith step you have to take as a Christian is that Christianity is not just for you and your own life. It's actually something that is meant to be shared. You share the difference that Jesus made in your life so other people can follow him. And I began to hear like all through growing up in church, I grew up in church and I committed my life to Christ when I was seven. And I heard like, you know, sharing your faith and sharing your faith. And I just got to the point in my early twenties when I was like, I know enough 
about sharing. I don't need any more information. I need to just start doing it. And in my workplace, I was the youngest person with the least amount of life experience. And I thought, I just thought, well, God, I, I still need to learn how to share my faith with my coworkers. And that was one of the things God said, you need to go forward in this area. You need to leave your comfort zone and you need to get time with these people who are looking for hope and they cannot find it in any worldly thing. And so I began to do that and learn how to share my faith with others. I remember I once invited a coworker to this gathering of some of my Christian friends. It was just a hangout and we were going to just connect. And I invited him to come and he says, hey, you're not going to convert me, are you? Well, no, Anthony, I can't convert you. What I didn't say is, but I've been praying. <laughs> he didn't need to know that, but I was praying for him. And there's a sense in which it was just risking to advance the kingdom of God by sharing the difference that he, he has made. And then more recently, as many of you know, we're going to be going to, to launch a new church. And this is like the next chapter in, in our story and doing what, what he's called us to do. Now for us, this actually is moving and it's going into the unknown. And I have no idea how it's going to work out, but it's to advance the kingdom of God. And he always, Jesus always brings us to that point where we have to go forward in faith out of our comfort. And the only way we can get out of our comfort is if we decide we will not let fear define us. So going in faith is all about your story cannot be defined by fear. The fear of God's not going to take care of you. The fear of what people are going to think of you. The fear of will you not be as successful as you thought you would be? The fear of your timing is not going to match God's timing. We all have our own. And so I want to encourage you as we wrap up. What is it? that God wants you to do? What does he want you to, to go toward in faith to tell the story that, that he wants to tell you? And here, here's something that's been a comfort to me through the years is that it's this. You don't have to have uh, the faith to finish. You're not finishing yet. You just have to have the faith to get started. So it's a willingness. I'm willing to take this next step to go and do what you've told me to do. So I just want to end by just some different ideas. And all of us are in, in different places. But here are some ways that you can go. And the first one is to actually connect to the first week. For some of you, you need to go and decide to give your life to Jesus. And it really is this picture of like getting out of the boat. And that boat could be your independence, your own way. But you, you've got to decide, I'm, I'm ready and willing to follow Jesus and give my life to him. And if you've never done that, you can decide to do that today. And so you may need to go. You may need to leave the sense of like, I, I, I'm not going to hold on anymore. I'm, I'm going to decide to follow him. Uh, for some of you, it might be the, the, the exact opposite of that, that, that you need to, to go to, to share your faith with those around you. We live in a time now where to actually say what is true is like the most offensive thing you could do. Everyone can say what they want as long as you don't actually think it's the only way or that it's true. 
But Christianity is, it is a narrow path. It is not politically correct. And so some of you, you, you have to be willing to take a risk that you're going to actually share that you are a Christian. You're going to identify with him. And the next step is you're going to go and you want to share your story, the difference that Jesus made in your life. Maybe the next step is you, you want to share how you become a Christian, what a Christian is, and you begin to, to look and ask God to show you people in your life that, that you can do this towards. But it involves going, risking, determining that you're going to do what he's asked to, to share your faith more than what people will think of you. That might be a big step for you. For some of you, it may be to go in and you need to reconcile with somebody in your life. Somebody that you've wronged and you've never asked for forgiveness for that. You may need to go and do that. The other side is you may need to forgive somebody that's wronged you. And you need to go and you need to tell them that you forgive them. Because again, what happens is through bitterness and anger, all these things like in fear, they, they just paralyze us from, from doing what, what God's called us to do. And so I, I just want to ask, and in closing, I've given you some ideas. What is it that God may want you to go and do? And God, God speaks to us, and he, he is a guide and has the strength to to tell us and, and lead us. And so I just want you to ask that question. What is it? What areas in my life are there things that are undone that I need to go and just get a firm grip on? Or there's things that I know I need to do and I just keep saying I need to do it, but I, I haven't done it. Ask God to, to show you that. And so I'm, I'm going to just pray in a moment that, that God will, will do that. And before I do that, if you could pull out your connection card and finish of filling that out. And if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you this week. You can put that on the back of the connection card on the, the lines there. Uh, but the, the first next step is connected to the, the first thing I said, which is deciding to follow Jesus. If, if you've never done that, you can mark that on the back side of the card where it says, my next step today is to decide, accept Jesus, and commit my life to him as Lord. If you've never done that, mark that, and we, we will follow up with you. And then the second, if you've already become a Christian or you're, you're not ready to do that, the second is decide to go and. What is it that God wants you to do? And if, if you have something, write, write it down. Put it actually to paper. It makes it more real. And I, I encourage you to do that. And if you write that down, I, I, I will pray for you this week as you decide to go uh, and do that. So I hope this series has been, been a help to you. If you've missed any of it, you can listen online at churchinthevalley.com. Uh, next week, we're starting a new series on comparison. I'm not going to do the question, how many of you struggle with that? But I, I'd like to reckon that most of us struggle with not fixing our eyes on Jesus, but instead looking at round at people. There's a thing called social media, which really, really, really ramps that up. And so we're going to take two weeks to talk about that. Uh, week one, Barry Rogers is going to speak uh, next week on that. And then the second week, Jeep Underwood is going to speak. And so I think this will be a really helpful series uh, to come and to get perspective. And also for you to invite friends. So one of your ghost statements is, but 
I will invite and go invite this person to come to this series. So hope you can join us. Uh, Let me pray and ask God for help as the band comes up. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the promise found in Isaiah 41 and in Matthew 14 that we can take courage uh, because you are with us. And we don't need to be dismayed because we are we are lifted up by your righteous right hand. Thank you for the, the promise to be our guide and our protector. But it's not just for our own well-being. Uh, you really do want us to risk for you in the kingdom of God. So, God, will you just show us what is it that you want us to go and do? God, if there's some comfort zones that we have, I pray that you'll give us the strength to identify those. And then also that we'll be filled with your power to move beyond them. So we ask for your help. God, we we, we do ask that we will live a story worth telling. And we thank you that as we follow you, that, that can become a reality. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.